Hello, Hoopaholics. Coach Spins here from the Box and One. We got some requests during the last draft cycle to take audio versions of our YouTube mock drafts and put them up here on our podcast. So that's exactly what we're doing today. We just released picks 1 through 60 on our first way too premature 2023 NBA mock draft. For all of you who didn't get a chance to catch it on YouTube, this is a great forum for you to enjoy some of it as well. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, Hoopaholics. It's Coach Spins here from the Box and One. We are doing another version of this way too early 2023 NBA mock draft. As this kind of kicks off the scouting season, it's back to school time for many people, especially college athletes who are getting back there and, and getting their workouts done ahead of the upcoming 22-23 season. So we thought this was the perfect time to drop our first mock draft. We're going to go through picks 1 through 60 with a little bit more detail in video on the first rounders and a listing of all of our prospects who are available. This is a combination to us of you know guys that we would pick in these situations, how we think the draft is going to shake out, and some names that are always going to be mentioned in the preseason mocks because they have high expectations coming into this upcoming season. So if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel for more content. Drop us a like on this video here, and let's dive right in to our first 1 through 60 2023 mock draft. It's no surprise who sits atop our board right now, Victor Wembenyanma, the unicorn light prospect out of France. He's anywhere from 7'3 to 7'4, incredibly long arms, really, really good defensive prospect. Not just the type of guy who is a unicorn because of his offense, but I think the defense is an area to start for a big man like him. Not only can he protect the rim, but he just erases shots on the perimeter, switches onto guards, holds his own by moving his feet, but step back jumpers don't necessarily work over the top of him. The combination of ability to move his feet and be able to contest on the perimeter is really rare. Offensively, Weminyama is the type of prospect we've never seen before. Somebody at his size who has not just the fluidity of movement and elite finishing, but all of the shooting and playmaking abilities that come with a smaller guy. He's really good at reading situations. He's an elite lob threat out of the pick and roll because with his size and length, teammates can just throw the ball up there and trust that he's going to be able to go get it. He's shown off the dribble scoring as well as catch and shoot impact. He just does so many different things at a really high level on the offensive end of the floor. There is the slightest bit of injury concern, not just with his frame, but his history. But at this point, we can't imagine taking anybody other than Victor first overall in 2023. For a lot of people, Scoot Henderson is not too far behind Victor, and it's easy to see why. A really strong, fast, athletic guard who just thrives with the ball in his hands. He had a great year as a 17 and 18 year old playing against pro competition for the G League Ignite. The team was not set up to, to really play around Scoot's strengths. He thrives with the ball in his hands and needs spacing around him. So the fact that he was able to get to the rim as frequently as he was in the half court is a testament to just how dynamic he is with the ball in his hands. While he's a great athlete, he is more than just an above the rim finisher, demonstrating great touch near the basket and some crafty moves where he changes speeds going from fast to slow and slow to fast multiple times on the same drive. Right now, Scoot is best 
in the mid-range area in terms of his jump shot. He has not stretched that range out to three. That is one area that we'd love to see him be able to do before the draft comes in June, but he is very comfortable operating out of the pick and roll and hitting those pull-ups in the mid-range area. The mechanics on his jump shot aren't anything to completely overhaul. He does get caught up sometimes with his feet, not having them perfectly set before he rises into his jump shot. But he is a guy that thrives with the ball in his hand. That's why the jump shot is going to matter so much for him over the long term. But the combination of athleticism, passing, and ability to hit those mid-range pull-ups is really tantalizing. Outside of these two, there tends to be a little bit less of a consensus over who should be third overall. We have Dariq Whitehead, who's going to Duke this year and played for Montverde Academy, uh, as really the, the leading candidate for us because of how well he scores with the ball in his hands. Three level potential, six foot six and a very good athlete, is able to get downhill and really separate from his man in one-on-one -on -one situations. Has proven very comfortable as a pull-up shooter as well. That's why the mid-range is an important area for him. He's very, very good at creating space and, and getting past his man at the first line in order to get a lot of high-quality shots off. You can see there's a deep bag of tricks to his game, really likes the stutter jab step, does have the ability to get past his man one-on-one -on -one, as we mentioned, but is also a tough shot maker, somebody that's going to thrive in isolation and with NBA type of spacing. I think the underrated part of Whitehead's game right now is actually in his playmaking. While he's a really good and polished scorer, not enough is said about how accurate and timely some of his dimes are. He's going to thrive at the next level with a little bit better spacing and is poised for a really good year at Duke as their number one option. Right now, Whitehead is going to open the season number three on our big board. Fourth is Cam Whitmore out of Villanova, a guy we had the, well, I'd call it a, a lack of pleasure to coach against him in high school. Fantastic athlete, only about 6'6", maybe 6'7", but plays bigger than he is due to the explosive nature of his game and how he attacks the basket. He's gotten so much better in the skill department over the last year or so which is one of the reasons why we're able to combine those two factors to put him in our preseason top five. Obviously, the athleticism makes him nearly impossible to stop in one-on-one -on -one situations when he gets his head down and goes to the rim, but he's added a very smooth-looking jump shot to his arsenal, which was on full display during the U18 America Games this summer. He's comfortable in step-back and self-creation situations as well. And look, because of his lack of overall height, Whitmore is probably going to have to play more of a wing at the NBA level. But he should physically be able to mismatch guys and, and just put his shoulder through their chest. So Whitmore's athleticism, raw skill, and what he's going to add at Villanova this year has him in our top five. One of the better scorers in this year's draft class, Nick Smith is headed to Arkansas and reminds us a lot of a Jamal Murray type of player who can be more of a combo guard that is really good at scoring with the ball in his hands, but also has the ability to play off of it. An unbelievable shooter, deep range, and shows the ability to hit tough shots, step backs when he's run off the line, mid-range pull-ups when somebody contests through him. He is very, very, very confident and really good at scoring with a creative verve. 
while he may end up proving he can be a number one overall scoring option in the NBA because of that isolation potential, I think the best use of a guy like Smith is being the number two option where he can come in and space the floor next to a superstar because of his deep range catch and shoot arsenal. Smith doesn't get to the rim as frequently as we may like, but with movement shooting upside and this really, really consistent stroke, there's no denying he has NBA potential. When we're looking at freshmen to come in and make an impact right away, opportunity and potential have to meet. Keontae George slides into a Baylor offense that is in desperate need of adding somebody else that can go out there and really create their own shot. And Keontae has proven over the years at Montverde that he is absolutely able to do so. A tremendous scorer, somebody who thrives at all three levels of the floor, very crafty at getting to the basket and has an advanced handle finishes through contact, and is very good off the bounce. That pull-up range from three, both out of ball screens and in isolation, is going to suit him well in the college level as well as in his future in the NBA. George has good size, a deep bag of tricks and isolation moves, and is very underrated as a passer and a playmaker. I think what's most important for me in valuing Keontae as a guy that could break into the later half of the lottery is the catch-and-shoot side of his game. A lot of these guys who we're going to talk about in the later parts of the lottery are really good at creating with the ball in their hands. George may separate himself by being the best catch-and-shoot option of everybody from here on the rest of the list down. When it comes to trying to project big men prospects, you look for that modern blend of size, length, defensive impact, and perimeter skill. Kalel Ware, who's headed to Oregon this year, definitely has the combination of all of those. You can see at his size, nearly seven feet tall, that he's not just a really good finisher around the rim, but an explosive athlete. He has a lot in his bag on the offensive side of the floor. Defensively, he has proven that he can be a little bit of a rim protector, was very solid and obviously overwhelmed with his length and athleticism this summer in the FIBA U18 games, but does show the ability to protect the rim and have good instincts on that end of the floor. I think one of the reasons why Ware sneaks into the top 10 despite not being very ready and polished in his game are all of the flashes that he shows on the perimeter offensively. He can be a really good catch and shoot option, which is incredibly valued for big men in today's NBA. Combine that with a few glimpses of some really unique finishing as a face-up driver, and it's easy to fall in love with a guy like Ware. Another big man who needs to be mentioned in this conversation, who's neck and neck with Ware as being potentially the top American-born big in this class, is Derek Lively going to Duke. He's legitimately 7'1 or 7'2", is a great athlete and a very imposing defender. He led the EYBL last summer in total blocks. This is a guy who doesn't just do it near the basket though. He's a very fluid defender who caught our eye as being somebody that is potentially switchable in the NBA. Uses his length well, plays angles a decent amount, keeps guys in front and moves his feet. This type of lateral quickness for somebody his size is very rarely seen. Now as we go to the offensive end, a lot of his impact is going to be near the basket. Wasn't used a ton in AAU as a pick and roll threat because he played next to another big man in current Detroit Piston Jalen Duran. But Lively is really impressive near the basket. He's a great catch radius, soft hands, and the ability to finish with explosive athleticism off one or two feet. 
Again, we talk about unicorns and guys that stand out as modern NBA bigs. Derek Lively, very comfortable spacing the floor to the three-point line. I think John Shire is going to utilize that a lot this year at Duke. I'm a sucker for big guards, and Anthony Black is about six foot eight and really plays like a point guard. He doesn't have a jump shot in his arsenal right now and isn't the most imposing athlete that you'll ever see. But if Josh Giddy can be a top six pick because of his IQ and playmaking feel, then Anthony Black absolutely has to be considered that in this year's class. Black is great in transition and has the ability to put his head down and just out and muscle other guards and defenders on his way to the basket. I think that he's very comfortable with his right hand and has a little bit of room to do in terms of finishing comfort with his left. But anytime you watch Black play, the first thing that stands out is his playmaking ability. Unbelievable live dribble passer, understands and sees and feels the game really, really well. If the jump shot were just a little bit more advanced, we'd be talking about him as a potential top five pick. There seems to be this widespread notion that Kentucky guards are going to thrive at the next level, yet we haven't seen any of them go drafted in the top 10 in several years. I think Kaysen Wallace is the, exactly the type of player who can break that cycle. A really good three-point shooter. I can already tell you that a lot of his role in this Kentucky offense is going to be spacing the floor around Oscar Shibwe and Severe Wheeler. But Kaysen is actually really good with the ball in his hands. He is an elite floater, something that we always look for in undersized or less than elite athletes at that point guard position. Wallace has the ability to be a true combo, somebody who plays off the ball as a three-point shooter or with the ball in his hands. A decent scorer, good in the mid-range off floaters, and a very underrated passer out of the pick and roll. Buy stock now on Wallace. As we get outside of the top 10 here, we're starting to get into territory with some of the guys that we really like. And Baba Miller, headed to Florida State this year, is a really unique prospect who we've fallen in love with. Really good size at about 6'10", 6'11", long, decently athletic, shows some burst off the bounce, and is a tremendous passer and playmaker. He has a lot of great tools that we really look for. Combine that with the glimpses of movement, shooting, and three-point range, and he has so many tools to buy into. Miller has not yet proven that he can unlock a lot of these tools against high-level competition, so playing in the ACC will be huge for him this year. But if he can be efficient and flash all of these tools on a nightly basis for the Seminoles, I think Miller is definitely a lottery prospect. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who are expecting these guys to come a little bit sooner, the Thompson twins. We think Amen Thompson is probably a little bit higher of a prospect. He shows his athleticism off the bounce in incredible ways. Look, we could talk about Overtime Elite and the experiment that has gone on there over the last year or so and how it relates to top-level prospects, but we won't know anything until we see how this draft cycle plays out. Amen is a freak athlete, somebody that puts his head down and gets to the rim from a standstill in ways that not many guys can. He shows really good on-ball defensive upside as well as some glimpses of playmaking. The jumper is completely not there, and it's one of the reasons why I'm a little bit hesitant to put him too high in my preseason mock draft. But on athleticism and feel alone, Thompson definitely deserves to be in the conversation. 
Amen's identical twin brother, Asar, is also a really good prospect. It's neck and neck between a lot of these two guys who I really prefer, but Asar has a little bit flashier of a game. Not something that I'm typically drawn to. I like more of the substance than a lot of the flash, but Asar, a really, really good passer. Somebody that has a great high processing ability, is able to move the ball in different situations, and has shown a little bit more, in my eyes, out of the pick and roll as a creator. Similar problems to his brother, the jump shot hasn't really come around. It might be a half step above his identical twin right now, but everything with Asar right now is with the ball in his hands, in the open floor, and letting his athleticism show itself. One area that I have been impressed with him by is his ability to finish at the rim with touch and with either hand. He likes that running skyhook off the glass and can knock them down with his left. The last guy that we'll mention in our preseason lottery is G.G. Jackson, headed to South Carolina. He made the last-minute decision to reclass and join the Gamecocks and new head coach Lamont Paris. Jackson's really imposing from an athletic standpoint. He looks like a big when you see him at first glance, but he plays more like a forward or a little bit of a wing. He can face up and attack and has really done a lot to improve his skill level over the last year. Over his AAU career when he was playing in 16U, everything was at the basket. Didn't have much of a jump shot, dump downs and catch and finishes near the rim. He has added glimpses of having a really comfortable jumper. We'll see this year if it's legit, and if it is, this spot on the list is way too low. One of the biggest risers of the summer has been Brandon Miller, a 6'8 or 6'9 wing out of Alabama. Tremendous length. Pretty good athleticism, but just a knack for scoring the basketball. Really thrives with the ball in his hands. And he's somebody that creates his own jumper from three, but particularly from the mid-range. He's a tough shot maker, and at his size, he can create enough space and separation to get his shot off. I'm afraid of two things with Miller. One is that he doesn't live at the rim enough, that he's very heavy in the mid-range area, not necessarily because it's a great shot for him, but because he doesn't separate from his man. I also want to see how he defends at the college level against similar really good athletic wings, but no denying the amount of offensive upside a guy like Miller brings to the table. He can be someone that really pops this year at Alabama and punches his ticket not just into the top half of the first round, but maybe even the top 10. Every time we watch Mega play, the one guy who catches our eye is Nikola Jurisic, a 6'7 or 6'8 wing with an incredibly smooth jump shot. He didn't make shots at an, a really high level last year, but you can tell by his form and the confidence that he shoots it with that he's going to be a problem at the next level. Really high release, good not just in catch and shoot situations, but also on pull up jumpers. Think that he has the ability to be a self creator, somebody that has flashed three level potential. He's not the fastest athlete in the world, plays a little bit more of a deliberate style of play, and is going to take a lot of jump shots as a result of that. But he's very crafty, has a decent handle for his size, and can play outside in. I think that as long as he continues to show that he can belong on an NBA type of floor athletically, he's going to be so skilled that he can cut it in the NBA. Our top returner and the guy coming in 17th overall is Terquavion Smith out of NC State, a legitimate three-level scoring machine who is just very, very confident with the ball in his hands. I love his ability to create space. He just has this unorthodox type of pace and feel to his game, but is very good from three. Great deep pull-up range, 
has the ability to knock down catch and shoot uh, opportunity so he can play next to bigger wings and I think this year at NC State he's going to show that he can take another step forward as the primary cog in their wheel now that Darian Sebron has gone on to the NBA. Again, the catch-and-shoot offense is really good for Smith, but two questions remain. One is how's his ability on the defensive end, because that's something that he didn't show a lot of last year. A couple tools and flashes, but was very inconsistent. The other thing that's going to be important for him is putting some mass onto his frame. Very, very skinny, and as a result, really struggled as a finisher. Strength and impact near the basket are directly related for Turquavion. If he can fix both during his sophomore campaign with the Wolfpack, I have little doubt he'll be a first-rounder. Going with another international prospect here at 18, James Nagy, who plays for Barcelona, had some really impressive flashes last year as a rim protector. Very long, really athletic, but great defensive instincts. We've seen some really good players overseas come over and make an impact because they know and have that high basketball IQ from a young age. They know how to defend and play angles. Najee is such a guy. Offensively, his role is going to be very, very simple. Pick and roll, stand near the basket, finish on lobs and dump downs. He has shown a little bit of fluidity in ways that not a lot of big men have, but his game is still really raw on the offensive end. He's going to thrive next to a pick-and-roll creator at the point guard spot, and I think is primed for a really big year for Barcelona. If he's able to remain efficient on the offensive end and impact games on D, he'll be a steal. Size and skill are two traits that are always craved by NBA teams, and Jarace Walker, who played for Team Thrill, ended up having a fantastic summer last year, burst onto the scene, and he'll end up making an instant impact for the Houston, Houston Cougars. He's a mismatch guy, can play inside and out. At his size, six foot eight, with a really strong frame, his handle is really advanced. It allows him to blow past bigger guys from the perimeter and be a face-up threat at the four. He also has been working on a pull-up jumper as well as some catch-and-shoot range to three. Put smaller guys on him and he can take them into the post and really muscle them around. But what I like most about Walker is the, the feel for the game that he has. He's a decent scorer, a really good defender, and just a walking mismatch. Somebody that Kelvin Sampson is really going to love. This may be a lot higher than what you would anticipate seeing for Tyrese Proctor, the point guard out of Australia. He reclassed to go to Duke this year and is very, very young for this draft. But I love the growth that Tyrese Proctor has been able to show over the last year. He's a big creating point guard, thrives with the ball in his hands, and his best attribute is his passing ability. Yes, he can get to the rim and play a really crafty game but he is fantastic out of the pick and roll at making the right proactive decision. His feel and basketball IQ is incredibly advanced for a young teenager. The other part to his game that he has to improve is twofold. One is his, his handle. It's one area that he hasn't been great at. It prevents him from getting all the way to the basket at times and can be a little bit turnover prone. The other thing is his jump shot, and he has already put in the time. If you watched him during the Asia World Cup this year, Tyrese Proctor was one of the more confident shooters. His form looks a lot better. He's starting to knock them down. I am a believer in Tyrese Proctor and think that if he can continue to knock in threes this year, he'll be a first-round pick. A trendy name to be one of the better returning prospects in college basketball is Arthur Kaluma 
out of Creighton. We recently did an in-depth breakdown of Kaluma's game, and we would really recommend checking that out. But the nuts and bolts of him are that he is about six foot eight with long arms and incredibly confident slashing ability. He's worked a lot over the last year to become that mismatch type of option and should be one of the top, if not the top options, on a dangerously good Creighton basketball team. Kaluma can mismatch guys on the interior or on the perimeter. He takes big men off the bounce with long strides, has the ability to get to the basket, and has the ability to mismatch post up a bunch of smaller guys that get on him. Again, I think his NBA role is going to depend on two things. One, his defensive aptitude, which I think is incredibly high. Moves his feet, can really guard smaller guys on the perimeter, and his jump shot. If he can knock down more than 30% of his threes as a sophomore, he'll be a first-round pick. Another returner making the list here, Chris Murray out of Iowa, his twin brother Keegan already off to the NBA, so they're going to be a larger role in the offense for Chris, presumably. Now, his projection is best served as a 3 and D type of guy. Very smooth stroke from three, albeit he needs to be somewhat square to the basket. Would like to see more from him off the bounce. It's one area that he struggled, is creating his own jumper and, and hitting pull-ups. He can get to the rim when he attacks a poor closeout or gets past a bigger defender. I think that he's really toolsy, checks a lot of boxes analytically, and will be a solid defender. Just a really low-risk pick in the 20s. How much higher than that he rises is going to depend on how he adds a pull-up jumper to his game. City Sissoko, who's playing for the G League Ignite, has a ton of fans out there. He's a really athletic, slashing wing type of player. 6'6", maybe 6'7", 7-foot wingspan, plays with the ball in his hands, and has shown a real propensity to score within about 10 feet of the basket. Now, the one area that I think is most well-renowned for Sissoko's game is his ability to make plays as a passer. Really good in transition, puts his head down and gets to the rim, makes great reads out of the pick and roll, and is starting to develop three-point range as a jump shooter. It's the passing that's going to make him pop, and how he fits with the G League Ignite next to a player like Scoot Henderson is ultimately going to determine how high on draft boards Sissoko ends up falling. If the Ignite can find a way to make it work where they're juggling reps for Soko and Scoot on the ball, then I think he's got a chance to rise even higher than this here in the middle part of the 20s. One of my favorite sleepers for this upcoming season is Nolan Hickman out of Gonzaga, a scoring-minded combo guard with a really smooth jumper. There are a couple areas that Hickman needs to continue to work on, adding strength to his frame and his first step. He doesn't put a ton of pressure on the rim as a result, but he's really good at scoring from 14 feet and beyond. Really crafty pull-up range. It's a bit low of a release, but it's quick enough that he's able to get it off. He creates space for his self-jumpers, and he has that unorthodox timing and ability to get past his man. I think my favorite trait of Hickman's is his floater. It's perfect for an undersized guard like him who doesn't get to the basket a ton to be able to score and put pressure on the rim out of the pick and roll. He's a solid playmaker and just a guy whose game we really like. We're also predicting a good breakout campaign for freshman guard Judah Mintz. He has more athleticism and burst than a lot of times he gets credit for, but is a scoring-minded combo guard going to the Syracuse Orange, a team that desperately needs a little bit of offensive punch after graduating and losing so many impact players on the perimeter. Mintz is incredibly creative, somebody that thrives with a lack of space, has great touch near the basket with both hands, 
really creates and has the ability to score on all three levels. He's a tough shot maker, and in the guard position, that's something we really look for. He can fall in love with the pull-up a little bit too much sometimes, but he has shown small glimpses of being a solid playmaker for others. This is a deep freshman class coming into the college ranks this year, so I think a lot of guys are going to sneak into the later part of the first round, and quite frankly, a lot of NBA teams would be wise to take a guy like Mintz here. We're not incredibly high on Texas freshman Dylan Mitchell, but it's hard to argue with the athleticism that he brings to the table. It's something that definitely pops in his game and makes him a candidate to go even higher than this in a lot of mock drafts. Mitchell is not going to be a guy who gets a ton of offensive development this year at Texas. Chris Beard is known for being a defensive-minded coach and not necessarily putting guys in positions to succeed. Mitchell can be an impactful defender, but on the offensive end of the floor, he's far behind in terms of his jump shot and his polish on the perimeter. He needs to get better in both of those areas if he really wants to be a one-and-done prospect. At the end of the day, he has far too many natural and athletic tools to slip all the way to the second round if he ends up declaring. Minutes and opportunity are going to be there for freshman Grady Dick at Kansas this year. They've graduated and lost a lot of wings, which mean that he can come in and be an immediate impact floor spacer. Dick has good size at about 6'6 or 6'7 and knows how to space the floor. He's a very smart mover without the basketball, is going to be patient, waiting in the corners and, and knowing what his role is, and can hit a ton of shots off of screens and movement. To us, that's incredibly valuable for NBA teams. They love not just deep range guys with consistent mechanics, but people who are able to knock down shots off of different screening actions because it opens up the playbook and spacing for so many of their star players. NBA teams want their three-point shooting specialists to have a lot of volume under their belts to know that they can do it at the NBA level. If Dick can combine volume and efficiency as a freshman, he can be a one-and-done. At 28, we've got the six-foot-11 pick-and-pop specialist Kyle Filipowski, who's headed to Duke. He's going to be a part of a really impressive front court with freshman Derek Lively. Filipowski thrives off of spacing the floor. He's really confident as a shooter, and it's a part of his game that NBA teams are going to salivate for. Great form at his side. He's going to shoot it over the top of a lot of closing out defenders, and he does have true range to three. He's also really competitive, and that's something that I think goes underrated about his game. He doesn't have every natural or athletic tool in the book, but he does drill shots, and he competes on the defensive end. This is not a guy like Duke forward Matthew Hurt from a few years ago, who's going to be a liability on the defensive end. It's not necessarily his strength, but Filipowski is going to surprise people with his athleticism. At 29, we're bringing on Jordan Hawkins from UConn, a sophomore who had an up-and-down freshman year, ended up missing some time at the tail end of the season due to injury. But we've really bought into the tools that Hawkins brings to the table. About six foot five, has shown the ability to shoot the three ball. 33% as a freshman was more streaky than pure, had a lot of games where he would knock down shots and get into his zone. He also is showing potential to be a decent finisher and somebody that can be a movement shooting specialist. All of those areas combined to make him a great complementary piece on the offensive end. 
he's going to step into much more of a primary role this year at UConn. We like the flashes that we've seen of his creation for others as well as his pull-up jumper. But our favorite trait that Hawkins brings to the table is on the defensive end. I think he has the potential to be a lockdown backcourt defender who can guard one through three because of his length and athleticism. We're really big fans of Jordan Hawkins and think that he's primed for a breakout season with a very underrated UConn Huskies team. At 30 in the last pick of the first round, Harrison Ingram, another sophomore who's heading back for another year at Stanford. Six foot eight with a really strong body. What Ingram lacks in athleticism and a quick first step, he more than makes up for with his craftiness, his physicality, and his ability to barrel his way to the basket. He's a tremendous finisher with both hands and is a really patient type of player. I love how he's able to create contact. But what makes Ingram so special is his playmaking ability. He's great at creating open looks for others and understands how to do so. He's got a great high IQ, both out of the pick and roll and in post-up situations. Because of his physicality and size, he loves to get smaller defenders switched onto him, take them into the post, and create for both himself and for others. The thing that's missing for Ingram is a reliable jump shot. He showed some flashes last year, but ended up tailing off at the, the final few weeks of the season. If Ingram can knock those down, he'll be a first round pick. Stay with us through the rest of this video for picks 31 through 60 that will be coming through on our ticker here. If you disagree with any of our selections and our rankings for where guys have, please make sure you leave a comment in the comment section below. We'd love to hear from you. But for more NBA draft content, make sure you stay tuned in to the Box and One and our YouTube channel here throughout the rest of this draft cycle. As always, thanks for watching.